Explore the depths of your curiosity with aerospace engineer John Connolly, Columbia Space Center's Benjamin Dickow, and CEO of Heavy Metal Magazine Matthew Medney, as they bring scientists, engineers, and authors on a journey of discovery. This is Putting the Science in Science Fiction, where fiction and science collide. When we talk about alien metals and stuff, just so you know, uh, some of the questions I'm going to be asking, for instance, like, I want to talk about how, uh, you know, it's not even just a metal, but like how there are planets made of diamond, right, oh, which is so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then mm -hmm. how, and then more so than that, and I think I was talking to John about this earlier, but like, I would love to know, right now, diamond can cut through any material we have, metals included, but mm -hmm. diamond probably couldn't cut through vibranium or mm -hmm. cut through animantium. So mm -hmm. my question is on the pyramid of alphaism within within uh, elements and within science is do, does diamond always have to be at the top because it is in ours and if it is does that mean diamond is composite differently on planets where there's stronger metals or are we on a planet that just has metals that aren't as strong as it's diamond so like in my in my brain nature is mm -hmm. very specific about mm -hmm. what it creates so that it always lays out the raw tools to create things that you, that needs to be done right and mm. from a practicality standpoint diamond is used as the drill bit to cut mm -hmm. into anything right mm -hmm. and and sometimes there's you know metals and different different ores in the ground that it just mm -hmm. drills through but if we were on a planet that had a metal like vibranium mm -hmm. in its core our diamond drill couldn't mine it because it wouldn't be able to break through so my question is does the composition of diamond maybe even get tighter or something happens that makes it stronger on a planet that has a metal that's stronger or mm. is would a drill be made out of something else on those planets i feel like so the the periodic table so diamond is basically carbon right so i think i'm sure that we've thought of most of the ways that you can manipulate carbon atoms to get well, to get diamond and whatever else to do, graphite, all those kind of things. So if diamond, and I I feel like there might be a qualification to diamond as the hard, as the substance that cuts through everything else. I know that it's the, it's the top of the line as far as minerals go and being able to scratch things and stuff like that. But I don't know, I'd have to look up to make sure that it's true that you always, like diamond is, yeah, is the alpha, that's what i understand but but i am but, an idiot so no 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 I, but that's the beauty of science there's a lot to learn um but i would say you know on another planet if there's so if there's another element out there that we don't know about or another alloy or you know combination of elements that we've never thought of before that that's out there um there yeah diamond might not be the thing because i i feel like we we know these elements really well to the point where we're actually synthesizing our own, right? And from that, we've probably thought of a billion different ways to combine those things, although there's stuff that we don't maybe not know, but um, that if it's true that these are, these are all the elements that are out there um, naturally occurring, then we probably know the things that are out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so 
that's the beauty of the periodic table, right? Is that you, that it was so predictive that you didn't even have to know, you didn't even have to see the element to know that, Hey, there's a gap between 14 and 26, but we know exactly what to look for because it's following this pattern of how, how atoms are put together and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we might not know all the properties, but they're kind of the similar properties. So, so I don't know, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that if they're, if the manufactured elements are naturally occurring in other places that we don't we we don't know because we haven't been there or something like that, then I guess it is conceivable that there's something way out in the periodic table that we've never seen before that could be super super strong or whatever. But maybe yeah, then it's we know that diamonds can cut through anything on Earth naturally occurring. Exactly. Maybe it's something else that it. I I doubt that. That my gut tells me that diamond is not the universal solvent on, on all of this stuff. But I feel like it would be so way out there to find something that's naturally occurring other places that is only synthetically occurring here that all bets are off. Then it really does become sort of science fiction. We'd have to, you know, sort of conjecture. And, and I, that, that's exactly where my head is at. But something you just said at the end there, I just want to make sure I understand. You said something that we synthetic here, but there are naturally occurring diamonds from Earth or am I wrong is all diamonds on earth come from like asteroids and meteors. Oh, no, 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 no. Diamonds are naturally occurring. No, no, no. When I talk about naturally occurring, I'm talking about the elements. So up until uranium, it's all, you can, you can find these things and they just happen to be. And then after uranium, it's all stuff that's been made in a lab. My well, thought understood. is the only, the only way that I could see this currently, and maybe it's small thinking on my part, but the only way that there are other elements naturally occurring out there is that the, the elements after 92 that we make in the lab, the conditions are right somewhere out in the universe that they happen to be just, you know, you, you could walk down the road and just trip over them. Who knows? Um, and so then once we're in that point, like I have no idea if diamonds, if they're still diamonds are still king of the hill at that point, because it's so, it's so, it is so theoretical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can't yeah. speculate on the properties for heavy elements, which right. I would speculate if they did exist, could probably have existed in the short duration following the supernova yeah. before they, but their lives are all, could be fractions of a second, certainly within the half billion years that uranium's half-life yeah. is, and so they're just all gone by now, or right. sank into the core of the Earth. Hold on, because there, there's something there, and we're not, this is just interesting to me now, is as scientists, do you think there are a myriad of elements that we have not discovered yet? Or do you think for the most part, the periodic table is like 80%? Because to me, you know, as a, as a science fan and a science fiction author, my baseline was that the periodic table is like 15%, mm -hmm. right? Like I just, I, my, my, my feeling was always like, we have only ever... See, uh, we've only ever tested elements derivative of one planet out of trillions, and we've synthesized elements for less than a hundred years. So I always just assumed that we we're at the tip of the spear and not the back end of it. But what do you guys think on your side? I think that we're mostly there. I honestly don't think that we're going to find naturally occurring a whole bunch of additional elements. And, and I say again, not because necessarily. Or, be, or 
because the conditions require, from our understanding, the conditions required to form those elements mm -hmm. are so extreme and so rare that even if they did occur, the chances of us even being able to observe that and get those elements is probably non-existent. That's why mm -hmm. you know they they create them for a fraction of a second in a particle collider, mimicking right. the core of a star. Um, right. But that's not you're not just going to like find super heavy elements like like element 130 laying on the surface of alien planets maybe if there's like some super some incredibly super stable super heavy element but once again that's just now that's where i'm at right, wait hold on hold on i, I want to push your, i want to push your guys thoughts so, so you telling me that you couldn't imagine that an element that we couldn't fathom on our planet might not be native on a planet that's in a binary star system where the conditions of the way that rock is heated is so alien to the way our uh, planet is heated that it created something unique. I, I think nope. what, no, what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say, good short answer, <laughs> nice. I think what I'm trying to say is that it, I think the periodic table is very accurate and it's very accurate because it's highly predictive and everything seems to fit really well. So I think we, we can, we can conceive of element 200 and kind of know what the atomic structure of that would look like and maybe have an inkling of some of the properties based on other things that are in the table. That's the beauty of the periodic table. Right. Um, but I'm going to go on the record and say the periodic table is an accurate document and it, it exists beyond just what we have on earth. It's we measure hydrogen and we we're able to measure the composition of all of the planets and things that are out there because of that, because of the properties on that table, the way that that thing works and the way that we're able to get, you know, spectrograph information and stuff like that. So, so wait, what, what is spectrograph information? be able to look at the spectra of elements out there in the universe, you know, use a, use a spectrograph and look out at the, you know, the clouds of Jupiter and know what they're made of, even though we've never gone out there and scooped it up and brought it back to the lab. So we know that those, that all the elements of the periodic table are out there floating around. It's they're not just native to earth. Um, could there be a system where element 200 exists naturally? Maybe there is, but, but I guess the, the, the point is, is that I can know that there isn't an element 200 sub three or something like that, like something completely wild because I, because it seems pretty, we've gotten this far with, with over a hundred elements that are extremely predictive. Like it's like, like there's actually a game, um, a really great activity that a friend of mine, who's a, is a professor of science education in Rhode Island developed. It's a, it's a card game. Uh, for kids to, to it's an it's a periodic table of elements card game but the beauty of it is that using a little bit of information kids can put the entire periodic table together and we're talking like 10 year olds um, because the because the regularity and the predictiveness of that system is so spot on so anyway that's a long answer to say like the periodic table is a winner I'm putting it above 15 percent and just to clarify when I say it's at 15% to me. I don't mean that I think the things on it are wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that there's just, you know, to that maybe five times more things that we haven't found yet. Oh, right. That's yeah, what I mean. yeah. right, right. So, okay. so I, I think I it's, I, under, no, I understood what you meant. 
Oh, no, no okay. I know you did. I, I was just, I was Sorry. just clarifying. <laughs> I just spent like 20 minutes talking about the wrong thing. Sorry about that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, well, no, you if, don't. If, if, if we learned anything there, I, I'm going to hit you up for that card game after because I actually want to play it. That sounds amazing. But no, the. Um, no, Ben, I think you did answer that correctly. No, no, he did. Uh, John is just being more ruthless than you. Um, don't worry. But, uh, but my, because, uh, because, you know, uh, and I'm not even saying that there could be new elements. And, and I'm also, you know, I'm speaking for, you know, all of the people who are going to be listening that are like me that think they know science, but aren't trained scientists. So mm -hmm. I need people like you to tear us down, right? Because like things <laughs> like, you know, things like uh, you said Jupiter's uh, atmosphere with the elements mm -hmm. there, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, it wouldn't necessarily be a different element, but in our solar system, Jupiter is in an atypical orbit, right? Most gas giants are closest mm. to their sun, right? Mm -hmm. So could there be a new uh, condition of an element in its atmosphere based on how much hotter it would be in a different orbit? That's Baby. an entirely different question. Yeah. Because, yeah I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> no, but that was kind of want to differentiate. Like you, you saying, you positing that our periodic table is only 15% complete of possible elements, I don't agree with. I think we have most of the elements. However, how the elements, the conditions in which they appear mm -hmm. naturally occurring, that we can be far less assumptive to. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, for example, uh, carbon naturally occurs in diamonds, naturally occurs in graphite. We didn't know that buckyballs existed mm -hmm. for much, much later in time. Uh, and, you know, now we're working on building carbon nanotubes and, you know, just if carbon nanotubes could be a naturally in like a more organized form is naturally occurring somewhere else, or mm -hmm. just that there's another naturally occurring form of that carbon takes a molecule that we just haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. So, so John, I do want to jump into that more, but I am, I am fascinated by your stance on this. So you're telling me that in our extraordinarily lonely facet of our singular solar system, of our singular galaxy, where we know there's billions of more galaxies and billions of planets in each of those galaxies and star formations that are so ancient with different gases and different ways in which we've, uh, it's evolved this 13.2 billion years that you think that it is unlikely that the table is not larger than what it is. To me, that sounds as crazy as saying that there is no life anywhere else in the universe. As a, a non-scientist. There's a big difference between you saying larger and that we are, have only captured 15% of it. There's a big difference. No, That's a big enough really. difference that you, yes, there is. No, I mean, sure, I could say 20%, one-fifth. I, I, I just, the, I guess we are such a small, it, it, we, we have such a small lens, right? Like, I think you, John, explained it to me when we were writing Kuiper, and you were trying to explain to me the vastness of the actual universe <laughs> for one of the things, and you would use the analogy of the Hayden Planetarium to the Earth, and where the Hayden Planetarium is the amount of the universe that we have actually observed and then to that at scale the earth is the actual universe mm -hmm. right and that 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 
paradigm to me makes it seem crazy that it, with, with observing such a small piece of it, knowing it's so much bigger, that we could say confidently that this table of elements is the majority of what's out there. That just, just thinking of it from that point of view, it, it seems crazy to me. And I get what you're saying. I guess what I'm saying is that I think, I think that there could be, you know, dozens more elements out there, dozens more elements that add on to the periodic table, but they're going to follow this pattern and they would be, so again, plutonium is not naturally occurring 93, right? It could exist naturally someplace else because of conditions, but the, but I guess my point is that it's still, the periodic table is still an accurate representation of how materials work in the universe. A hundred percent. And so it's, it's just a matter of, it is just a matter of condition then if these things farther out, the, the other numbers exist naturally. But, um, but I, I guess I was taking issue when you said 15% that, that there's that the within the tables. 92, mm. like there's, there's another sort of shadow table somewhere out there or something like that. Like, no, it's like we started hydrogen and we move up from there. Um, I agree with that. So within yeah. the current table, I think it's hundred percent accurate, yeah. right? I just think that there's a lot more that we've yet to discover because I, I, I have to believe as a, as a science fiction author and fan that there has to be elements out there that make the universe smaller, right? And right now the universe is so big. Uh, I, I have to believe that, uh, I, I have a, 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 a my, my belief is that all of nature in the universe is designed for a purpose and designed to move throughout it. We just might not know how to do it yet. Mm -hmm. Like as my, my Gene Roddenberry hopeful future has to have me think that, right? Mm -hmm. If we have this solar system that's in a galaxy, that's in a universe, I have to think that there's different levels of elements that help us move from, you know, our solar system throughout our galaxy and then throughout our universe. Mm -hmm. So to me, the periodic table is only to the point at which we understand how to move throughout our solar system. There's still pieces of it that we have to unlock to understand how to move throughout our galaxy and then how to move throughout our universe. And as, as just a hopeful, positive, not apocalyptic science fiction fan, I have to hope that there's that, that, that that's, that's on the other side of the mirror. You know, it's funny because you can take so I, and I get, I'm not, I think that makes it, that's great. The flip side of that is that um, the fact that there is, that we as human beings have been able to figure out this sort of regular pattern of how the, how the materials in the universe are put together and, and know that sure, there could be as far-fetched as it is, there could be conditions somewhere out there, you know, millions of light years away where element 120 can exist naturally occurring that's fine but the fact that we could even know what the basic makeup of of element 120 would be and if we ever came across it might be able to figure out like oh this is element 120 and it happens to occur naturally here that to me makes the universe a lot more manageable because there's a predictability to it and there's something there's something that we as human beings have been able to conceive of to get our hands around this thing and it seems to work and it's the same thing with like the laws of physics. It's, I, I feel like the laws of physics are pretty immutable throughout the universe and that we, it's not just a condition of our earth or our perspective. Like there, the physics lets us see the universe 
lets us actually see the universe, not necessarily literally, but like to conceive it and, and, and see it as a thing and know kind of the nature of it, even though there's vast things out there that we're going to discover for, well, well past, <laughs> we're going to be way dead before we learn that. But, <laughs> um, but I guess the idea that we can, that we use science and we use these tools that we, that we came up with, which is amazing as little spec to kind of figure out like, we know that there are galaxies and stuff like that out there and that they work in these sort of ways because of the physics that we came up with, not because of, not because of anything else. Was John, this all being you... recorded by the way? Cause this has been yeah, a, yeah. a good I, discussion. I, no, I, I was just about to say, Ben, we, 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 we started this as a, uh, as just a little nugget between episodes. Yeah. And now, now this is, this is, this is a great episode. I, I wanted to, I wanted to bring in a few fiction questions to, to round it out as yeah, a, yeah. Uh, as an episode, but John, did you have something you wanted to say first? It, it looked like you're about to say something. Uh, yes. I mean, I wanted to also point out, I mean, this universe was still all, it's still one universe that was all made from the same thing mm -hmm. to back sure. up, uh, Ben's point that, you know, it's still comprised of protons and neutrons and quarks and right, atoms right. wherever you are. And no, I think I agree to that. Our science is pretty accurately, uh, predicts the compositions of stars, mm -hmm. you know, even though obviously we've never been anywhere close to them and you know as you said we're looking at ancient ones and there's been very few that we've ever actually you know stars live for millions of years we've only observed on a scientific basis them for, for maybe a couple hundred but we know mm -hmm. how they act i mean I guess and there's zero what's your what's your percent chance that we're wrong about it just for the listeners like 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 as you just said someone listening right um we've never actually like gone to a star right because you can't mm -hmm. but 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 because of physics and because of science our accuracy of understanding what they actually are is it's pretty high right yeah like if yeah. We, yes. yeah um because you know it, effectively a, a nuke right is a star right is is a is a like the explosion of a nuclear bomb is the it's reaction a thermonuclear bomb sure right yes right it, 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 that is the reaction of a star right that mm -hmm. that's what keeps the the star the star hot mhm mm yes mm -hmm. fusion yeah. of hydrogen and helium mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and although then, in that uh, case although in a case of our nuclear weapons um, we don't use the same uh, hydrogen, hydrogen, helium reaction because we don't have, or you use a um, a nuclear, like a atomic uranium or plutonium explosion to get the initial conditions yeah. to get hot enough for fusion to then do it. Right. So you, yeah, you exactly. use a use a fission bomb to create the fusion bomb. Right. That, I was I was watching something on that the other day, actually, where uh, where fission is actually easier than fusion um, to get mm -hmm. to that reaction. Oh, yeah. But 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 oh, John, wait, something, wait, something we were talking about earlier, uh, because uh, and, and whenever this episode comes out, just note that today is October 21st and NASA just announced that they're going to be announcing something big tomorrow. Sure. But you and I are. Yeah, Monday. Oh, Monday. Monday. Oh, I thought it's Monday. tomorrow. I know. Oh, wow. No, we have to wait all the way till Monday. Oh, they're, they're really milking it. They're really I milking know. it. <laughs> NASA's become a media empire. They know yeah. that now people are going to get ready for, for yeah. four days for this announcement. That's hilarious. That's right. um, but we, we, were, we were humoring ourselves saying that they were going to announce that there would be more 
helium-3 naturally occurring, which as you explained to me would help with fusion drives in FTL warp mm. speed. Can you explain how that would work in a, in a fusion drive, what, what helium-3 is, John? Yes. So helium-3 is a stable isotope of helium that is two protons and one neutron. Uh, so helium-3, uh, though, is not naturally occurring on Earth, or only in very trace amounts, and its half-life isn't that long, so it degrades. Um, the important thing is there's several different varieties of fusion. Um, there's just pure regular hydrogen atom, hydrogen atom fusion. There is um, helium-3 fusion. There is deuterium, deuterium fusion, deuterium-tritium fusion. These are all deuterium and tritium are two isotopes of hydrogen. Deuterium has one neutron, tritium has two. Uh, tritium is very unstable. So each of these fusion reactions uh, do have different types of um, energy and radiation yields. So in the best case scenario, if you, well, in the best case scenario is if you fuse pure hydrogen, which we just do not have, the, the energy threshold of doing that is prohibitive to its usage. I mean, that's just so far beyond our material science and containment capabilities. Um, deuterium fusion and deuterium tritium would be more likely, um, but those have a lot of neutrons that they create, which cannot be captured by a magnetic field. So on Earth, if you had a fusion reaction in a giant concrete bunker, you could shield. You could put tons and tons of shielding around it, and then you wouldn't really care as much of how much radiation is being created by the reaction, and you could get all the energy off of it. However, if you're in a spaceship, all of your heat and all of your radiation, you know, those are huge factors that are going to be constantly affecting you. And once again, the magnetic fields and the magnetic coils that would be directing the plasma stream from the fusion reaction and you'd be generating thrust back to the coils um, is not going to shield you from the neutrons. So if you fuse helium-3, there is no neutron. Hmm. Um, there's no unstable neutrons that go off. It all bonds into stable, I believe it's alpha particles, are just the, hmm. the end result. And so it's the clean, in the sense, it's like the cleanest, by far the least radioactive form, not radioactive, radiation fusion that you can have. So for space travel, it would be the most ideal. But it's very rare and costly and naturally occurring seemingly only on the, the surface of the moon from so much, from billion years of cosmic bombardment on the surface. So it's not like it's in it, it's just there on the surface. Right. And maybe in like trace amounts in the, atmospheres of the gas giants so not very accessible now that that is a great cliffhanger to leave us on for our next episode which will be about uh, uh faster than light speed or warp drive which is more realistic <laughs> thanks everyone for listening uh this was a science heavy episode which i hope you guys enjoyed uh on materials and the universe and uh, we'll see you next week for our debate between ftl and warp speed thanks everyone thank you